Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. My name is Mark. With me as always is my tapping girlfriend, Carol. How you doing, Carol? <laughs> Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a good week here. It's October 4th, 1997. And I don't have a lot of news, really. No. No, there's some film festivals going on right now, but uh, no real word yet about any winners or, or I, I, you know, I read a couple, a couple articles about uh, some critical thoughts about... Some of the films okay. being shown, but uh, you know that's where a lot of those movies premiere. You know they they hold their little. We're gonna let twenty five people see it, twenty five critics see it before anybody else gets to see it. I don't know. I how do you feel about film festivals? I'm I'm a two minds about film festivals. Sometimes they seem elitist and and kind of like. They're cutting out regular people. It's like, let the critics see it first, and then then the fucking rabble can see it. Okay, so I didn't realize that film festivals were only for critics? Well, I mean, they're... So, I think some of them are invitation only, I think. Some of them aren't. Some of them are open to the public, but you you have to buy tickets, obviously. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, I think a lot of, like, more independent films go to film festivals before they, you know, do anything else because nobody wants to buy them otherwise. That's true, and that's the other thing. A lot of film festivals, the good, really good thing about film festivals is a lot of times it's a showcase for, for movies like that. Like you said, they are looking for distribution because distributors will go there. And if a movie gets a you know good audience like reaction, then they'll be like, I mean, that's how Clerks got distribution from Miramax. Yeah, is by going to film festivals. So, so I don't, I don't think they're a bad thing. Doesn't hurt me any. I'm thinking more of like the European ones, I guess, where it's like I can't go to Cannes Film Festival. Okay, because it's in Cannes, France. <laughs> can if you're American. Are you going to go to Cairns? Interesting. Well, I don't know. Uh, this movie, I don't think, premiered in a film festival. I think this no, was a no. right-to-the-movie-theater movie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's 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 spooky time, everybody. Yeah, that's it, true. It's the spookiest time of year, and I'm not just talking about Australian tax time. What the fuck? The Australians pay their taxes on October 15th instead of April 15th like uh, we do. So. Okay, so any Australian listeners, <laughs> you know, we, we're, we're feeling for you right now. My friend James came up with that joke, so uh, I'll, give, I'll give Australian James credit for that. <laughs> so Anyway, so it is the spookiest time of year. We watched a spooky movie that... Seemed like a sequel. It did. To me, it did. How so? Did you not? Did you not get that? No. This movie has a very interesting shorthand. Okay. I felt like we were supposed to know everything about Alex Cross before this movie began. Hmm. Now I know this movie. Uh, we watched uh, Kiss the Girls. We watched Georgie Porgy uh, Pudding Pie. Kissed the girls and made them cry. Oh, my goodness. Um, 
we watched that movie. That's the long version of the title. Right, right. And this is the second book by James Patterson. Uh, the first one being Along Came a Spider. Well, not not his the first book in... He's written two books about this character, Alex okay. Cross. First one came out in uh, 93, so like four years ago. This one was written a couple of years ago. And I feel like... Did you not feel like we were supposed to, like, we were not really introduced to Alex Cross. But the, the introduction of his character at the very beginning is a woman has killed her husband, who's abusive. And he comes, she's going to kill herself. She's got a gun to her mouth. He comes in and basically talks her down. Yeah. Talks her into giving the gun over to him and displays his amazing detective skills of saying, like, hey, you know, does he beat you a lot? Because he looked around the room and he kind of picked up on the fact that guy drinks, guy's maybe abusive, mm-hmm. and he notices she's wearing a turtleneck sweater and, like, oh, is that to hide the scars? And all this stuff, and kind of, like, he gets on her side, right? So we're like, hey, he's a great, uh, he's a great police detective. Right. The next thing we know... The next time he's introduced, basically, they're like, oh, it's Dr. Cross. And I'm like, oh, he's a doctor? Maybe he's a police officer that that just has a PhD. And I'm thinking, like, okay, so what's he a doctor in? They never tell us. And I'm thinking, okay, so it's probably psychology, right? Okay, so you weren't paying attention because they did tell us. They didn't tell us. Yes, they said that he was a forensic psychologist. Yeah, he says that, but, but being a... Say, t- telling this woman I'm a forensic psychologist doesn't immediately say to me, oh, so he has a uh, a doctorate degree in psychology. What else would he have his doctorate in if he's a psychologist other than he, psychology? Just He's a police criminal justice. He's a police officer that may have specialized in criminal psychology. You can't specialize in psychology and call yourself a psychologist. Like, you have to be... A psychologist. Okay, okay. You have I to guess, have a doctor. I guess I'm just dumb, but that that I don't think I think that's specific knowledge you have. I don't think the layperson would 100 percent understand that. Okay, I because I thought to myself, he's a cop. He went to school to be a cop. He's trained to be a cop, and he went into forensic psychology. So you're telling me that. Um, that those people that work in like the behavioral unit of the FBI that track zero colors and stuff like that, they all have PhDs and in, in like criminal psychology. I don't know. Psychologists. I don't know what the requirements are to have that job, but if they're psychologists, they do. Okay. Anyway. So I didn't know that. And also I don't think he is a police officer. He's a psychologist who's employed by the police. So he's not actually even a cop. Why would you think he's a cop? Because he's like he's working with the police. Yeah, but just because he's working on the investigation doesn't mean that he's a police officer. So he's basically a consultant, a psychology consultant for the police. I, I guess. guess that explains a little bit why he can travel around the entire country doing police work when obviously he wouldn't be able to do that. I thought he had a badge. Yeah, yeah, he works for the police, but he's not a police officer. Okay, so and then. Uh, they just dropped the fa- the they just dropped this on us. Uh, oh, he's written a book too. He's written a best-selling book. Mm-hmm. At one point, somebody's like, "Oh, a criminal, whatever, 
criminal fiction author extraordinaire. And everyone knew who he was. Everyone was like, he goes to this this fucking podunk town in Watts Durham, North Carolina. It's a pretty big city. But he goes to this police department there. And everyone's like, oh, Dr. Cross, yeah, we know you. He goes to Los Angeles, and they're like, oh, yeah, we've heard of you, Dr. Cross. It's like everyone around the entire country knows who this guy is. And I don't know, it seems abrupt a little bit. I mean, I, I, I guess I know that you read the books. Uh-huh. So I feel like maybe you were going in with this knowledge that you expected them to convey, and as a person who was not familiar in any way with the story or the characters prior, right? it was fine to me. Like, I wasn't like, what the hell? Why don't I know more about this guy? I was just like, oh, okay, so this is the guy. Like, I don't need to know that much about him other than his job. Well, I think the shorthand works. Okay. But it feels like, it, it gives the feeling that we're, we are dropped into a fully formed world. Mm-hmm. Which is what a sequel feels like. I, I guess. I mean, isn't it kind of supposed to feel like a fully formed world every time you watch a movie? I'm saying there's 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 not a lot of... This movie like moves at a clip. It's a very fast-paced Yeah. Film. Well, yeah, and because... It, they don't have a lot of time to, like, faff around and, and uh, you know, build up the, the world, right? Well, yeah, I mean, they spend more time on the characters than they do on the world. And they introduce the three main characters, you know, right off. And it's interesting immediately. Uh, I don't know. I'm not saying a criticism. I'm just, I'm just trying to understand. Like, it like, seems... You're sitting there like, you fucking moron. This movie's great. I don't think you're a fucking moron, but I don't understand why you're bashing the movie. I'm not bashing the movie. I'm not me saying it felt like a sequel is not me saying it sucks. So you read the books. Uh-huh. This was the second book. Yeah. Was the first book boring? Like, why do you think they started with the second book? No, no, the first book's not boring. Um, it's hard to say. Like, I, I could see them making a movie out of the out of um, Along Came a Spider, which is the name of the first the first book. They're both. Nursery rhyme inspired hmm. titles. I don't know. I wonder if we'll see more of those then. Yeah, I don't know. But the I could see them making a movie about that. It's it's an interesting story. I think this one, because of the personal nature of it and everything, is more. I don't know. I Kiss the Girls is probably a better book, and I think that's probably why they. I mean, and it's the that's the one that. So along came a spider did pretty well, but Kiss the Girls like. Became like a number one bestseller, like, and you know, I think a lot of that was because he established some fandom with the first book, mm-hmm. and then other people told people about it, and they, and you don't need to read the the first one to read the second one. Okay. That helps a little bit because it, they do really introduce the the character in Along Came a Spider, and um, you know, and then it, his reputation's kind of built by the time this movie or this book it, it comes out, right? Um. But yeah, so I can see, like, I think it's just because this one was, like, the phenomenon. This one was the really popular book. Okay. Well, I'm kind of interested in reading the books now. Yeah, James Patterson is um, a decent writer. Uh, He's, like, an ideas guy. Um, But he's not the best writer I've ever 
read in my life, but he's good. You know, good enough for sure. Well, I really enjoyed the story, so. Yeah. No, it's a good, the, the, the story is definitely good for sure. When I talk about writing, I mean like the minutia, you know, the language. Mm-hmm. Well, I know you're very into writing well, and see, that's grammar. Like the psychology stuff's your stuff and the, yeah. the writing stuff's my stuff. And that's why we review movies. <laughs> <laughs> so this movie, like, yeah, we start with, Deti- with, with Dr. Cross, right? I almost called him Detective Cross. Yeah. Is yeah. it Dr. Cross? Is it Detective Cross? Is it de- Detective Dr. Cross? <laughs> Dr. Detective Cross? That's the thing. He's a detective, too, actually, isn't he? I don't know. Because he said, I, he said, in this situation, does it really matter? I think he's supposed to be both. Hmm. Okay. But I don't know if he... I, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he went to the police academy and then he became a forensic psychologist. Well, I don't know. Well, here's the thing is I know a little bit more about the character because I've read the books, but I'm treating Morgan Freeman's character, the portrayal of this Alex Cross, as its own thing. Okay. Because when it comes to movies, I sort of disregard the books. Like, you can't depend on someone having read the books to... Oh, for sure. To, you know, to make your movie. So I, whenever I watch a movie, even if it's based on a book, even if I've read the book, I kind of just take, I don't really compare the two. I don't think it's helpful to say like, oh, the book's better than the movie or the movie's better than the book or stuff like that. I just, I think they should be, they're different for, I mean, obviously those things can be true, but I, they're different forms of art. They're, you know, and then, and they have to be made differently. Mm-hmm. You can take the story and the characters and stuff like that from a book, but you have to make some changes to successfully translate it to a different art form because movies are made in a completely different way than books are. So I'm, like I said, I'm just, I'm treating this world and this character a little bit independently. Yeah. The one thing that bothered me about this is, okay, so his niece is missing. Naomi, which I believe they accidentally label as Nadine on uh, mm. one of the, um, the no, in writing, in, on one of the the boards and stuff like that where uh, she's missing. Mm-hmm. I'm almost positive I read Nadine Cross, but her name is Naomi Cross, which is the name they say throughout the entire movie. Interesting. Somebody fucked up. But uh, yeah, I think somebody accidentally put Nadine. So... Naomi, his niece, is missing. Yes. And he travels to Durham, North Carolina. Why she lives so far away and, like, her whole family's where he lives, I don't know. But anyway, she... Well, they live in... So they live in the D.C. area. Yeah. And Durham, North Carolina is not that far away from oh, okay. there. And she's going to college. Oh, okay. At uh, um, uh, uh, the uh, University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. But what struck me throughout this whole interaction with him and the Durham police is they're saying things as though they're not talking about his niece. Like things that would just be so traumatizing and disturbing to a person who cares about the victims. Well, I had the same criticism that you did. Uh, Especially there's this one line, right? Uh, Where... One of the detectives is talking to him, and he was like, yeah, he uh, enthusiastically rapes them. And 
said something like... Uh, Never seen tearing like that before or something. Vaginal tearing yeah. like that. That's what the medical examiner said. And he's saying this to this guy, and the the bad guys got his, his niece, right? Right. And I had the same criticism as you did at first, but spoilers for the movie... There are big, there's twist ending and everything, so there's big spoilers. So if you haven't seen the movie, go see the movie before you listen to the rest of this. Considering who was saying it to him, mm-hmm. it makes a lot more sense now. Oh, was it him? Yes. Oh, I didn't realize that. So afterward, I thought about it, and I was like, oh, he's fucking with him. He was bragging. Yes. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. So it's like I was a criticism that I had, and then I was like, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." And it's just the two of them, so he, so it's not like he's gonna look weird in front of anybody else. He's fucking taunting him and bragging at the same time. With oh wow, oh my gosh, I want to go see it again now. <laughs> so it's, I think it's kind of like a little clue that you know it's that it it ends up nice, being nicely done, movie people. <laughs> But yeah, so he is there. But he's not the only one. There are other people that make, you know, insensitive comments. Yes, yeah, some I'm not nothing as bad as that, but somewhat insensitive comments, yeah. Yeah. Um, but he's there trying to help, which seems inappropriate in and all uh, of itself, like. Well, yeah, he has a very vested interest in this case. When the one of the first things that happens is they go to the site of a body. One of the bodies, so many, the story of this movie is there's been like, I don't know, like 10 women or something like that. Yeah, like 8, 10, something like that. Kidnapped and being held. They found three of their bodies, and or no, two of their bodies till, up until this point, tied to trees with their hair cut off and just left for animals to eat them, Ugh, essentially. What an awful way to die. Right. And they found another one and they're going out there. And while they're driving, he's like, hey, is, uh, is she white? Is she black? Like, yeah. Because his niece is the only black one amongst the kidnapped. And they said they don't know. Um, so, you know, it's one of the like one of the first things that he wants to know is if it's his niece. And I mean, obviously, it makes sense that that's what he really cares about. Well, yeah. But that's also why he shouldn't be there. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't, the only time I think it really hurts anything is when he doesn't involve the FBI when he should. Yeah, his buddy at the FBI, which, by the way, it's his, like, his good buddy at the FBI, which is another thing that's not really fully explained, but, mm. but they've worked together many times. But he's the one that figures out, you know, that this guy is a collector of these women and that he's not gonna just be killing them like they well, yeah he figures everything out yeah yeah they, they don't really seem like a very bright police department well it does hurt the fact that half of the detective team assigned to the case is actively working against it half yeah because it's him it's carrie elways and his partner mm, i thought there was more people on it well the chiefs i mean the chiefs there and stuff like that but he's handling all the case you know you know that's true he, he's not working day to day on this case he's He's pitching in and stuff like that because this is a huge, high-profile serial killer case. But um, 
But yeah, I mean, he's like, they're, they're the two main detectives assigned to it. In some ways, I'm sure the entire police force is working on it in one way or another. Yeah. But they're the two main ones assigned to it. Um, it is interesting to note, too, that when we're dropped into the movie, that's when he officially becomes a serial killer. He killed three people. Correct. And that is the... In the beginning of the movie, he's talking about when he was younger and he hid in their house and that he killed this girl and her little sister and her mother. Yeah, I know. But I'm saying to the police. Okay. They don't know about these. And who is he talking to Tony Goldwyn? Who's he, who's he talking to? That doctor, I guess. Right. Um, but uh, as far as the Durham police are concerned. He becomes a serial killer because three is the minimum right. for, okay. to be termed a serial killer. And that's his third victim that they just found. Yeah. He's a creepy, creepy character. Fuck yeah, he is. Like, he talks about, and that, this was our introduction to him. It's so funny, too, because real quick before you get to the inter- No, go ahead. Get into the no, go ahead. I was just going to say, Carrie Elway's southern accent is fucking atrocious like I, obviously everyone knows Carrie always is is british and he's not great at accents i've never found any of his accents that isn't his own voice to be very convincing but his southern accent is particularly awful and i guess maybe it's supposed to be after we find out what we find out but well the the when he's talking as the serial killer yeah there are people honking outside. Oh, rude. Uh, when he's talking as the serial killer, though, he's using a different voice entirely than the Southern North Carolina police officer voice. Yeah, he's using a, a more American, like yeah. more, more general. Obviously, the South is America. Don't 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 write us letters. Northern. But he's using a more northern he's accent. He's using more of a, I would say, neutral accent, like yeah. a, like a uh, Oklahoma or well, not Oklahoma, but um, Nebraska. Like a Nebraska kind of neutral accent. My question, though, is that even Carrie Elway's voice, because most of the time he's not on screen when we're hearing that voice. Right. I don't remember ever seeing it come out of his mouth, and it sounds nothing like him. And it's like this really, like, rich, nice-sounding voice. Like, this guy could be a DJ. Yeah. And that's not Carrie Elway. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty sure that that's uh, somebody else. That's a voice that's ADR. Yeah. National dialogue recording. Because, I mean, even, like, when he's talking to her in the kitchen and he has a southern accent and then he, like, kind of, like, lets it go and turns into the other accent. It's not the same. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So we're and on the same page with that. Yeah. And he does better with that voice, but if it is his voice doing it, then they're they're putting it through machines. Okay. And, yeah. And amplifying it. They're, they're doing things to the voice. I could see if that. If that is his voice. But I think it's a voiceover artist. But yeah, our introduction to him is, you know, that voice talking about how he, you know, falls in love with girls and, you know, they love him too. And like he broke in and he watched them sleep and because he hid in there <laughs> in Boca Raton, Florida. Did he say Boca Raton? He did. Yeah. Okay. But yeah. And then he's like, I kissed her and she kissed me back. Like, ugh. she was into it, basically. Yeah. She was grateful, he said. Ugh. Which is weird. Yeah. Like, did that really happen? Well, she's did a teenage just... girl. Maybe she thought she was dreaming. Like, who knows? Like, whatever. 
But How he, old do you think he was at the time? Probably also a teenager. That's my guess. Because he wasn't yet a police officer. But he, he I'm assuming, killed all three of them. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So It was gross. So, yeah, he hid in somebody's house and watched them and then killed, like, slept with them and killed them. And then well, their little to. sister. And then their mom. And now he's got, like, eight women somewhere. He's collecting them. And he calls himself Casanova. Right. He leaves notes, like, the great lover, they call him. Like, what the fuck? This guy is very arrogant. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I mean, obviously you have to be, like, fucked up to be a serial killer, but I don't know if they're all, like, in love with themselves the way he is. I don't know. No, I don't think so. I have, I, although most of, most people that suffer from the right mix of psychopathy that um, produce a serial killer tend to have uh, overinflated egos, too. That tends to be a side effect of it. Yeah. Narcissistic personality disorder, right. antisocial personality disorder. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I've done a little bit of research on this from... You know, things I've written and yeah. stuff like that before. But uh, well, yeah, Mark's written books about serial killers, which is kind of cool. Well, fiction books. Yeah. Not, not. But you did research for it. So. Yeah. Yeah, I've never written a book like, you know, profiling an actual serial killer. but No. But... Not, not like Helter Skelter. Oh, no. Um, So he has these ladies. What was the place? Like, was hey, it a ladies cave? Ladies get funky. What? Was it a cave? It seemed like a cave. It looked cave. like a cave. Uh, what it was, it, it sort of rushed over, but we, we find out at the end. There is a southern slave plantation on that land, or there was. Mm-hmm. And there are several outcroppings from the plantation. There were the slave quarters, big slave quarters, which I think is, well... There was the big slave quarters, then there was like some underground tunnels and stuff like that and everything. And I think what that was, was storage, you know, like food storage and stuff like that. And um, uh, maybe like a, almost like a dungeon, like a, a place to keep slaves that had misbehaved and Ugh. stuff like that. And it was, it was all built and everything, but it was like kind of into the ground where it was... Covered over with grass and stuff like that and everything. Yeah. Not maintained. And then, like, in order for us to get an actual idea of what's going on, I, they... I, yeah, well, real quick, though, I should point out, because I wanted to say this if you asked me what the building was, uh, all the ladies are not only beautiful and whatever, but they're special in some way. Mm-hmm. You know, they have, like, Naomi... Um, she plays the violin like she's an excellent violin player and all of them have something right and we get our eyes through the medical intern that he kidnaps ashley judd yeah who saves the life of a little girl who who's 8-year-old girl whose dad decided to take her on a joyride on a fucking motorcycle an idiot with no helmet that was a that was a hell of an introduction to her character too. Here's the thing. I think I I think that I knew the girl lived because I read the book. Because mm. I like I remember saying like you were upset about that part and I was like, Oh, I think she makes it or whatever. It's and 
and they never said anything in the in the movie, but I they do in the book. But I think the implication is she goes to the bookstore and she buys that book about being brave in the hospital. I think the implication there is that the girl is awake. Mm. She's out of her coma. That makes sense. And she got the book for her to make her feel better. Yeah. But it shows, so the she asks her name during the surgery and everything. Uh, Laura, the name of the little girl. She asks one of the other doctors because she's obviously out because she's having surgery. But it the whole thing is very good, very quick kind of character sketch where she's shown to be super confident, uh, very empathetic. You know, she's got a lot of, uh, you know, good, good heart and all that stuff. And she knows how to kickbox. Yeah, because she goes after that, she goes to kickboxing class to, like, kind of fucking blow off steam. I think this is where he went really wrong. Yeah. Because he got somebody who could kick his ass and knew it, but did it anyway. Yeah. Because he's so full of himself. Like, maybe he doesn't register that she's a dangerous person. But yeah. He, uh, yeah, he kidnaps her. And... He has to stalk these women for a long time. Why do you say that? Because he knows a lot about them. Yeah. That's true. I mean, if he's collecting them, then he's curating them. He's... He's studying many different women to find out who are the exceptional ones. Yeah. But um, she wakes up. She's been cut because she fell into a fish tank. Well, yeah, because she was running away from him. Yeah. And she's got her arm, you know, wasn't she tied up or chained or something? Yeah, to the bed, yeah. I'm still not totally clear on how she got out of that. Well, that's a different scene. Then which scene? Then the scene you're talking about. Which scene am I talking about? I'm not talking about a particular scene. Oh, I thought you were talking about when she first... So she's she's chained to the bed when she first wakes up and he starts talking to her. She's not chained to the bed in subsequent scenes. He unchains her from the bed at that point. Okay. Because she's up practicing kickboxing and then she goes to the her door and calls out to the other women. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to like talk specifically about like any scene. I was just trying to get an idea of what happened with her. So yeah, she gets out of that because he unties her from it, or un, you know, does undoes the cuff. But she's she's way too. What's the word? She's not gonna be controlled. You know, she's defiance. Yeah. So like he gives these rules in the beginning that you know you can't call out for help. Right. Don't try to run away. Right. What was the other one? Don't say no or something? Yeah. Something like that. Something like don't, I don't know. Just, just do please he, me. Yeah, what he, whatever he wants. So she first thing she does is start calling out for help. And, <laughs> and she confirms that there's all these other women. They all finally answer her, which was really brave. And, you know, I'm, I hope he didn't hurt the rest of them for that. Uh, didn't seem like it. Yeah. But yeah, so she. One of them asks what month it is. Yeah. Oh. She doesn't know how long she's been there. Yeah, one of them says it's been eight days, I think. I think it was that Naomi. I don't know. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then somebody else was like, what month? It? Nobody answered her. Yeah. Like, that's awful. Tell her. <laughs> like, I would so want to know what month it is. Right. <laughs> Jesus. Um, but he comes in and he's mad. Oh, what? I wanted to ask you about this with the, he, with the food. She took a bite of the food that he left her, and then she started vomiting immediately. 
what did I miss something? Do you know what was up with that? Like, so I think that the drug that he was giving her was in the food. Okay. Because he comes in then with a needle though to give her an injection after that. Yeah, I think that's a sedative. Like, that's a make you go to sleep drug. Okay, so the he was poisoning her. Like, he's immediately going to kill her because she didn't follow the rules. Right. And so she's able, though, to, you know, fucking kick his ass and run away because she's awesome and he overestimated his abilities. Yeah, well, she's all that. Now, here's the thing. Like, he's arrogant and obviously he completely underestimated her. But in his defense, I guess, in the serial killer's defense, <laughs> um, she was drugged like it's kind of amazing she was able to get out considering what we find out later that she was drugged with yeah because she's she's fallen i mean this is a very tense scene she's trying to get away and everything she's running she's going through the woods it's like a fucking slasher movie she's tripping over her own feet she's falling over wood and stuff like that she ends up on this ledge and he's there and he's like, come on, you know, come back to me or whatever. And she's looking down and it's this river, like many, many hundreds, I think below her very far. And she ends up jumping instead, which is also, you know, super defiance. Yeah. And you wouldn't imagine, I don't think most people would have done that. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, like if I were looking down at that, I wouldn't jump. I'd be like, okay, I got away once I'll get away again. Right. <laughs> But she ends up getting rescued by some fishermen, well, some boys that were fishing, some young young kids. And um, she's in the hospital, and she's dying, essentially, because of some poison that he's given her. And they've tested her for everything they can think of, and they can't figure it out. And, you know, you're thinking then, like, maybe he's a doctor, because... How would he know how to poison her like that? Right. Which is how then Morgan Freeman's character, uh, what's his name? Alex Cross. Yeah. Gets the idea. To, he looks to see when he figures out what the drug is, who has it, and it mm. is a doctor. It's so funny, too, because he just picks up a physician's desk reference and goes through all of them. Yeah. What? I what, guess alphabetically. What's up with this guy? <laughs> Like, he seems like a savant of everything. Well, yeah, sometimes they make him a little too powerful, I think. Yeah. But, yeah, essentially he figures out what the poison is, and it's this leukemia drug that they've only been using for the last five years. So I guess this physician's desk reference is fairly new. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> lucky, lucky for right. them, they have the current physician's desk reference there. But yeah, so this this plastic surgeon in California had gotten a bunch of it. tons of it a couple of years ago. Yeah, and and so like they're like, oh, that's enough to you know put down a whole town mm-hmm. of leukemia patients. So they're like, oh, this must be our guy, even though he's on the other side of the country. That's a, that's a lot easier than just regular residents <laughs> putting down down leukemia patients. <laughs> But yeah, they so um, they say like, oh, is he is he bi coastal? Mm-hmm. Is he killing people on both coasts? Which is interesting, I, an interesting idea. But earlier, um, we had seen our Casanova dude sending a picture and talking to somebody. Yeah, 
And Ashley Judd's picture. Yeah. So sending it over the internet. It it seems like in actuality he has a partner. Yeah, which is what it is. Right. So Yeah, it makes a lot of sense though, because he's the police officer and he knows what to do to not get caught, and the other guy is the doctor who knows how to mm-hmm. handle them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Makes sense. Oh, no no explanation of where they met. Right. Why or how. Like, that's not something that you just, like, reveal to anybody. Right. Just hanging out and stuff like that and be like, oh, by the way, I, you know, I kill girls. True. <laughs> like, how do you meet another serial killer? And they had very different uh, MOs, and, like, the one guy was into feet. Yeah, he likes cutting off feet. Like, they found a whole freezer full of feet. Yeah, 15 pairs of feet. Only, no, only the left feet. Yeah. He had, he yeah, had right. 15 <laughs> left feet. <laughs> And he even commented to one of the girls that he liked her feet. Naomi. Yeah. Yeah. He comes across the country to, uh, like, fuck with Casanova because he's mad because he thinks he ratted him out or something. Yeah, something like that. Or he thinks he he got caught from the internet or whatever. He blames him for the fact that the police have found out about him. Well, it makes a little sense, too, because he should have more control over the police, right? (laughs) Or should have been able to warn him. He shouldn't have had a picture of him yeah isn't that what happened or no no oh no no. that was no that's at the The california guy's house yeah it's a picture of the professor that they find was that just to throw them off yes okay that's to set him up as a patsy okay well that makes sense just i guess a fail safe just in case he ever gets caught (laughs) but yeah so they do um they do eventually figure out that there's two of them, and they're trying to figure out who it is. They don't know who it is. Mm-hmm. They do end up figuring out where the girls are. Yes. And they end up getting there. They kill the Dallas Cross kills Tony Goldwyn, the doctor, the, the plastic surgeon, um, because he interrupts the middle of their fight, essentially. And the guy gets away. He's as he, like he shoots him, and he's like, hey, who is it? And he's like, oh, yeah. He's too good. And then he <laughs> dies. Um, but they rescue all the girls. So, you know, it seems like a happy ending. And then our Ashley Judd main character lady mm-hmm. gets a visit from the uh, detective on the case. Carrie Elways. And he decides he's going to fucking, you know, get her. Yeah, I guess. So they 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 have fingerprints from him. I don't know if his fingerprints would be in the system. Hmm. Like I, I, I feel like he could still get away with this crime. No, I think they would be because you get fingerprinted to do certain jobs. And so I would think yeah, the I police guess. officer would be one of those jobs. Probably. Like my fingerprints are in the system because I worked with kids. Oh, okay. Like everybody who works in a school has to be fingerprinted. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, so he, prob- he probably is. But you would think he'd be able to fuck the evidence up somehow or something like that. You'd think, but instead of trying to clear his name, he's just like, I'm going to go go get her. He's pissed. Yeah. So, yeah, he's going to try to rape her first, though. He can't just kill her. (laughs) Right, enthusiastically. But Morgan Freeman figured it out. Because of the signature. Yeah. Right in time, right at the last minute to rush in and save her. Yeah. Which he does. And then that's the end of the movie. So overall, I think 
Really good movie. It was good. It was ex- very exciting. It's a good way to kick off spooky season. <laughs> um, it's uh, one thing I love about Morgan Freeman, and I don't know if this is why they cast him as a police officer, you know, more than once. Because he was a police officer in seven, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't know if it's his voice or if it's his acting style or what, but he is a very calming presence. Yes, he is. Yeah. In the, in the movie. Because there's a lot of chaos in scenes that he's not in, especially scenes with, you know, the Casanova and the, the abduction and everything. There's a lot of chaos going on. And then when he's there, you know, talking or explaining something, it's a very calming, like, bring you down from all that excitement yeah. kind of experience. So it, it really works well. The juxtaposition of those two things really work well in the movie. He should do books on tape. I would totally listen <laughs> to him read anything ever. <laughs> they could sell Morgan Freeman reading me the dictionary. I would buy it. I don't think I can do a Morgan Freeman, but. Uh... Oh, you can try. <laughs> <clears throat> I do not like green eggs and ham. <laughs> Everything sounds like Christopher Walken. That's not Christopher Walken. <laughs> no, that's an old bit, I think, from Saturday Night Live where it was, uh, um, it was, uh, what's his name? Reverend Jesse Jackson reading Green Eggs and Ham. Hmm. I will not eat green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam. I am. Yeah, that's not Morgan Freeman. No, no. <laughs> he's, he's more like, um, <clears throat> and then began the time. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> but yeah, he has a very calming presence. He like it's, it's rich. He has a rich voice. Rich voice, calming presence. Like I feel like, you know, he could be like anybody's grandpa or something. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, I would definitely, definitely recommend you go see this movie. Yeah, it's a good one. Although we just ruined it for you if you don't already see it. Like yeah. go see it before you listen to this. Go back <laughs> in late. time and listen <laughs> watch it first. <laughs> We got you. Well, that is the episode. Carol, tell people things. So you can check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Mm-hmm. Write us at latefee1994 at awl.com. Yes. And share the tapes with your friends. All right. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.